Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, Bible truth listeners and learners. Oh yes, you guys are consistent. Over 1,700 of you are listening to this series, and I praise God and thank God for that because one thing I know about God, he wants you to know and learn the truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, we have two chapters left in this series, and so that's why it was in episode four, because yesterday, you guys know, we spent a lot of time on chapter nine. So today we will complete the series. However, I have a few things I want to share with you guys. I want to elaborate on a little bit more. As I played the podcast back, I listened and said, hey, wait a minute. I could have shared this. I could have shared this. So I wanted to share it before we start the series. Okay. Now, first, I want to talk about Rahab. I didn't speak enough about Rahab. She was included in the um, the faith heroes Some of the saints of old. Now, Rahab was a prostitute and she was also a Gentile. She was not a Jew. And in Joshua chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, you can read about Rahab and why God saved her. Now, she protected the two spies that came to Jericho to spy out the land. You know, the land that God was going to give them. Now, when the king of Jericho sent men to Rahab's house because he heard that she had those two men there. Uh, Rahab um, told the two men that they were there, but they were gone and she didn't know where they went. Now, she did lie. However, it was a little white lie to protect the lives of those men. They were actually hidden on her roof. Now, in verse 11 of uh, chapter two. Now, it was where she told the men that she knew that. The God of heaven was their God on earth and in heaven. So it was that particular verse that showed us and convinced us that Rahab had faith. Now, you know, we the book of Hebrews talks about faith and how we are saved by faith. We have to keep that faith in Jesus. Now, Rahab had faith in the living God. And uh, during that time, the Jews were God's chosen people. And also, I wanted to tell you guys who um, Jephthah was. Remember, I was struggling. I was tired. I was struggling to pronounce the word Jephthah, but it's J-E-P-H-T-H-A-A. He's not talked about much, but Jephthah, he was a judge of Israel who sacrificed his daughter um, in consequence of a vow that that if he or he was victorious in battle, he would sacrifice the first person or the living thing that met him 
on his return. And unfortunately, it was his daughter. But he had faith in um, what he said. Okay? He had faith in that, in that oath he made. So, um... That's the only really thing, the, the only thing that I can confirm about Jephthah. Now, when I mentioned the manna, remember we were talking about the tabernacle and uh, the manna that was in an urn. Now, manna is an, it, it's an edible substance God provided for the Israelites during their travels in the desert. Okay. And when I mentioned urn, urn contained the red ashes of a heifer. Okay. And the Aramaic word for for um, urn is kala, okay? And that's how it's pronounced. It's, it's pronounced kala. It's K-A-L-L-A-L. -L -L. Now, this was also a small stone urn that was kept in the tabernacle and later in the Jewish temple, okay? Now, when I mentioned, remember when I talked about Abraham, bringing his son Isaac and I didn't know which mountain he went to well it was the uh he brought it to he brought his son to an altar at Mount Moriah you know as he was instructed to do so by God and an angel stopped Abraham okay from killing his son Isaac and replaced Isaac with a ram because it and it wasn't God who talked to Abraham it was an angel who uh, talked to Abraham and stopped him from killing his son. But it was God who showed Abraham a vision of him, God sacrificing his son, Jesus. Okay. Now this was the last of 10 trials that God subjected Abraham to. Okay. Abraham is the father of faith here. Um, he actually was going to, I can't believe he was going to do that. But I, look, if your faith is in God, your faith is in God. He was going to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering to God, just like you sacrifice an animal. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. Praise God. Now, remember when I talked about Psalms 40, uh, verses 6 through 8? That Psalms was about Jesus Christ. When it talked about a, a body you have prepared for me, Jesus was talking. That was David actually um, communicating what Jesus had said. And Jesus wasn't even born yet. That's, <laughs> you guys better recognize who Jesus is. When he said a body you prepared for me, uh, Jesus received a body to come to earth. That is what that is referring to. Okay. Now, when I talked about Enoch, and how God took Enoch, you know, that's in Genesis chapter five, verses 21 and 24. Um, Enoch faith was so strong that God never allowed him to see death. But what many don't know is that Enoch lived for 365 years. Um, he was the son of Jared and he was the father of Methuselah. Now we know who Methuselah is, the, uh, the, the oldest man who ever lived on earth. Now, when I mentioned the Septuagint, now, the Septuagint is the uh, Greek Old Testament Hebrew Bible, you know, and it contains various biblical uh, writings of the Apocrypha. Now, I, I have the Apocrypha, but um, I would suggest you guys don't read that. Now, the Apocrypha were writings that was omitted from the Bible. The Catholics still have it. Now, the Catholics still use, they use the same Bible we do. I know a friend of mine who was a Catholic, she don't even understand the Catholic religion. 
she told me, oh, yeah, the Catholics use a different Bible. No, they don't. They use the same Bible. Um, the, the difference is they kept the Apocrypha there. Now, the Apocrypha are writings that could not be um, substantiated uh, by the, the scholars. And what I mean by that is they could not confirm who the writers are. Okay. And I have them. I read them. It's 15 uh, books. And I understand why they removed them from the Bible. Um, I've read them and they don't line up with the writings of the Holy Spirit or um, the Holy Spirit inspired scriptures. Um, they're not bad. And, and it's not that we can't teach from them. It's just that we should not associate them with the Bible. The whole book of Enoch um, is in the Apocrypha. So um, that's about it. What I'm going to say about that. But. What I wanted to uh, share with you guys is, look, everything you have heard so far in episodes one, two, and three, and I thought three was very powerful. Um, when I played three back, episode three, I was in here shouting by myself. But I want you guys to pay, pay close attention to uh, this last episode, chapters 12 and 13. And then I'm going to give um, a, a little recap of what we covered in the letter to the Hebrews. OK, so I will continue to teach from the ESV. I started to go back to the NIV, the New International Version. <laughs> I started to and I say, no, let me let me close this out with the ESV. So it doesn't matter what version of the um, excuse me, Bible you have in the end. I promise you we will end up in the same place because as I go through and read these scriptures, you all know those who have been following this episode or this series, I give commentary. So just because you have uh, some words, a few words that are different from the words I am reading, it doesn't mean that those words doesn't mean the same thing. Okay. And if it did, I would tell you. So go to chapter 12 and verse one. I am beginning reading at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, your version may say the author and finisher of our faith is the same, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So what is verse 1 and 2 talking about? In light of the previous examples of faith, uh, verse 1 is talking about, and especially in light of Jesus's own model or endurance, believers are called to endure as runners in a race. And when it talks about a cloud of witnesses, these are the Old Testament heroes of faith. OK, uh, as is indicated by the therefore in, in verse one and by the Greek word play between witnesses uh, and commanded witnesses may have a, a double meaning. Number one, these Old Testament heroes witnessed 
to their faith by their words and their faithful lives. And two, excuse me, like spectators watching an athletic contest in an arena. They may now be watching or witnessing uh, believers who live. Mm-hmm. It's deep. It is deep. So let's go to verse 3. Consider how or, or consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Meaning, it doesn't matter how sin may be holding you back sometimes or you may stumble. We still didn't endure what Jesus Christ endured on that cross for us. Okay, verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Ooh. Now, let's look at verses 5, 6, and 7. Okay, now exhortation that uh, addresses you as sons. What is that talking about? What is that talking about? God is viewed as speaking through the proverb. God's discipline proves that he considers believers to be his sons. Mm -hmm. Now, since God chastises every son whom he receives, I need you to understand what the word discipline means. Because a lot of people who don't understand the Bible would um, often say, and I've heard it myself, well, you know, God put that sickness on you to teach you a lesson. No, God doesn't put sickness on you. Because if you read um, the book of Acts, when Peter said that that um, God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. So what does that tell you? So that's not what that is talking about. The word discipline was a common term for child, uh, for childering, okay, through instruction, training, and correction. However, here Hebrews focuses on the call for perseverance, meaning to endure uh, in the painful test of life. We all go through our trials and tribulations, and we need to endure when we go through trials and, and tribulations. Now, these tests are to their benefit. You know, it proved their sonship and require a response of perseverance. Now, the readers of Hebrews, such as us, then should not be discouraged. Okay? They should not be discouraged. Now, when God chastises us, you have to remember he is our father. It's no different than an earthly father. If your parents love you, they will tell you right from wrong. And that is what 
verses 5, 6, and 7 is talking about. They will tell you right from wrong. So let's pick up at um, verse 7 again. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, okay? For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Y'all get it? God, chast God chastises us with his word, try to correct us with his word so that we can do what's right. Okay, so that we so that he can stop us from hurting ourselves and so that he can encourage us to keep moving forward. Verse nine. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Mm. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits? Because that's who God is, the father of our spirit. Okay, and live. Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, dis but he disciplines us for our good. That's talking about God. He who God, um, that we may share his holiness. Verse 11, for the moment, all, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Mm, did y'all get it? Verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put, put out of joint, but rather be healed. Verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, we all know God wants us to live uh, peaceful. That is something that we um, really <laughs> struggle with. Now, I myself, let me talk about me for a second because I know me better than the listeners, people who are listening to, to this podcast. Now, I can live peaceful with everyone. Now, when, it is, when it's a struggle, I will remove myself. And what I would do is just go pray. Mm -hmm. If it's possible, we need to live peaceful with everyone. So what I would do, like I said, is just go, go pray. Um, verse 12 again, therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, let me uh, try to make a little bit more sense of this. Now, in poetic Old Testament language, perhaps intentionally drawn from Isaiah and Proverbs, the author exhorts his readers to endurance in the race set before them. Now, peace with everyone. Uh, we can cross-reference this with, with Mark chapter 9, verse 50, Romans chapter 12, verse 18 uh, through 21, and chapter 14, verse 19, and 2 Corinthians um, 13 and 11. Holiness is clearly expected of all Christians. We can't get around that because God is not evil like Satan. 
all this stuff you see going on in the world, God is separate from that. And, and like I mentioned yesterday, uh, these people are not going to get away with the evil they are doing. And I'm talking about on both sides, especially law enforcement, because government officials are held to a higher standard because they are supposed to make sure justice is being done. And they are not. That's not what we are seeing um, happening here. So holiness is clearly expected of all Christians now, without which no one will see the Lord. This is not salvation by works. Okay. However, for Christians, um, are sanctified once for all by the death of Christ. Okay. So holy living is a part of the perseverance encouraged throughout Hebrews. Okay. Now let's pick up at, uh, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This is us looking out for one another, okay? That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Um, this here is, is talking about Christians encouraging one another. This is why we need to make sure that we gather together and it doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't have to be every month. But at some point we need to gather together so that we can encourage one another. Because it's hard going through a world that's led by Satan. And we are expected to be set apart and set aside from evil. Okay. Because you see the latter part of 15 says, um, well, let's read 15 again. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and be it many become defiled. Mm. Um, let me read that again. And by it, many become defiled. Uh, verse 16, uh, that no one is sexually immoral. Now, see, people don't like to hear this, but a part of living holy is um, associated with not being sexually immoral. So you guys know when uh, I read the book of Acts, uh, what we, the four things we were asked to abstain from, abstain from. And one of them was not for us not to be sexually immoral. Okay. Stay away from sexual immorality. So um, you, you may not want to hear it. You may be uncomfortable, but we all have been involved in sexual immorality, but that is what the grace of God does. It cleanses us. Okay. That is what the blood of Jesus does. It can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody have sin. Okay. But here's the thing. You are not saved because you are not born or you are not practicing sexual immorality. You are saved by the grace of God. It's after salvation that so that we can do good, like the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter says, so that we can do good, we need to abstain from our sexual immorality and the other three. Okay. Um, verse 16, that no one is sexually in, immoral or unholy like Esau. Oh, this is very important. Who sold his birthright for a single meal. Verse 17. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Please don't. But the story of Esau represents every other religion that I always speak against. Okay. Cause Christ is not a religion. He came to deliver us from religion. 
If you are a Muslim, if you are a Buddhist, if you are a Judaizer, if you are a Catholic, if you are a uh, Lutheran, and um, any other religion that you can think of, when your life ends here and you stand before the judgment seat, especially the great white throne judgment, see where it says, um, for you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. This right here represents you cannot plead your case before the almighty God after your spirit leaves your body and say, no, I want to inherit eternal life. And God says, no, you did not. You did not take the route that I put in place. You did not accept my son, Jesus. See, it's going to be too late or it's going to be too late for a lot of people. And then Jesus say, I never knew you. I never knew you. So the, the, the story of Esau is very important. Even though he sold his birthright, that represents you not going the route taking Jesus and the sacrifice he made for you on that cross. And you're trying to be a Muslim to get uh, into eternity and, and, and spend paradise with, with the almighty God, the creator of the earth. And he tells you, I'm sorry, you have to go into the lake of fire and brimstone. Because I sent my son Jesus to die for the sins of mankind. And no man is excluded from that, that salvation plan. No man. Okay. But then we have a lot of people who created all these different religions. Man created religion. God didn't. And you see what Esau did. Verse 17. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing. Now the blessing is symbolic to eternal life now. He was rejected for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, some of you may think that, well, we just got through talking about sexual immoral or unholy like Esau, that um, you have to remove yourself from sexual immorality to be saved. No, it's not because we are saved by grace through faith. This is why you have to incorporate all the scriptures that we read. And the Bible does not contradict itself. The apostles do not contradict themselves. The writings of the apostles never contradict one another. They are all on the same page. The problem is we have denominations that, that are not on the same page with the word of God or the teachings of the apostles. Okay. Um, verse 18. For you have not come to what, what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. Verse 19. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Now, let me explain that. Because see, this, this get a little tough sometimes. Um, now, the experience of Israel at Mount Sinai. Okay, you can read this in Exodus chapter 19, verse 12 through 25. And chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. And Deuteronomy chapter 18 uh, verse 16, it shows how great and fearful was the Mosaic covenant because Moses said, I tremble with fear. Now, this quote is from Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse 19, where on Mount Sinai, Moses, Moses feared that God might destroy Israel 
uh, after their worship of the golden calf. See, they had straight away and started <laughs> uh, getting themselves involved in pagan worship, worshiping things made by man's hands. We should never worship things. So, <laughs> so you got to remember Israel had strayed away. They always strayed away. That is the, um, the foundation of the old Testament is why God had to send a redeemer because Israel kept on turning their backs on the true and living God, even though he showed signs and wonders through his prophets. Okay. Showing that he was the living and true God. They still, I guess, because like most Christians, because he's, he, God forgives, we're going to keep doing it. No, he, the, the author of, of Hebrews may intend this illusion to warn against similar ad adultery. Okay. Um, I'm not talking about adultery. I'm talking about idolatry. Okay. This is worshiping idol gods and pagan gods. Okay. So we have to be careful there. Um, verse 19 and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Now, let me talk about this for one second in the past. And I'm talking about old Testament. God used to speak directly to the children of Israel. He did. They were afraid of his voice too. So what verse 19 is talking about when they said, may the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. Moses, uh, they went to Moses and told Moses, can you tell God not to talk to us anymore? Because they were frightened by the voice of God. Can you imagine that thunderous voice uh, speaking from the clouds to them? And so Moses told them that they didn't want um, him talking to them anymore. And the children of Israel said, just let him talk to you and you talk to us. This is when God made a decision to no longer talk to man again. This is why he don't talk directly to us. We got to go to Jesus or we can talk or speak directly to God from his word. Um, the children of Israel, they, they were something else. They were arrogant and selfish. And so God made a promise that he would never speak to, to them again directly and that he was going to send a prophet like Moses. This is where Jesus comes in at. Um, that Moses told them that God was going to send them a prophet like me to tell them all things, but God would never speak to them directly again from the sky. Okay. That's what this is talking about. Um, verse 20, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it, sh it shall be stoned. In uh, verse 21, indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Uh, verse 23, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So what is God talking about here? Um, now the greatness of the new covenant exceeds the old covenant revelation at, uh, at Sinai, okay? So it is all the more important to accept the new covenant. Now you have come to Mount Zion. This draws an extension or an extensive um, Old Testament imagery of a new heavenly Zion, Jerusalem. Okay. 
and um in the book of revelations verses two, uh chapter 21 and verses 1 through 22 um and chapter 5 it says that christian believers have access in the invisible spiritual realm okay into the heavenly jerusalem and therefore participate in worship with uh innumerable angels and the great assembly uh, of those who have died in faith and are already in God's presence. I may have um, just given you commentary for upcoming scriptures, but that's fine. Cause when I read those scriptures, you will know what I'm talking about. So we can zoom on through here. Now, um, verse 23 and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Yes, Lord, it speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, what is, is this talking about? Now, this, this picture of, of, of a present spiritual realm uh, it culminates with Jesus, he, he our mediator, so that um, the sprinkled blood, uh, the blood of Abel cries out a curse for vengeance. Okay, but Jesus' blood brings forgiveness and atonement. This is one of the reasons why we can still talk about the blood of Abel. Remember we talked about it in um, episode three yesterday that it speaks forever it's still speaking to us today because abel was in right standing with god because of the offerings that he brought god they were um burnt offerings that were clean but cain on the other hand that's a whole nother story cain was evil evil lord have mercy his his offerings to god were not righteous offerings and they were not true from the heart offerings they were unclean uh burnt, burnt offerings so god accepted um abel's offerings over cain's and cain became jealous and ended up killing his brother okay but we have to remember the blood of jesus brings forgiveness and atonement okay now let's look at verse 25 see that you do not refuse him who is speaking who is him who is speaking? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. Yes, God's voice did. Uh, Acts Job, when God, God started talking to him from the sky after he got through uh, accusing God of doing everything to him. And God say, who is this that see, uh, speaks to me without having knowledge? Shook that earth. I bet you uh, Job changed his tone. Yes, he did. He changed his tune and tone. Now, um, verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Now, as we read, we, what this, it, the um, previous 
scriptures 27 26 is going to come to light to light verse 28 therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken that's what 27 is talking about we the kingdom of god it is final it cannot be shaken the devil has already been made uh, uh and put under the footstool of the lord jesus christ futuristic and he may be running loose today wreaking havoc, but trust me, his reign is coming to an end. Yes, and God's people will not be here to endure it. Those who are in Christ will not be here during the great tribulation. Praise God. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. This reverence is a reverential uh, respect and awe. Okay, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Do y'all hear that? Let brotherly love continue. Um, verse two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I don't have any problem talking to strangers and you shouldn't either. Now the Bible is clear here. Sometimes we are entertaining angels and don't know it because every human being, in case you guys don't know it, and yes, it's biblical, it's scriptural, has an angel assigned to them, especially Christians. Why you think that 18 wheeler didn't hit you yesterday or you are, you had close calls. Mm -hmm. That's that angel protecting you. Verse three, remember those who are in prison talking about the, the uh, saints who were arrested as a result of preaching the gospel as though in prison with them. We have to remember them like we were there with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Mm, that's self-explanatory. Verse four, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, this is the second time we are talking about um, adultery and being sexually immoral. And let me tell you why this is an issue with God, because it produces other human beings. Okay. That's why God is serious about, uh, sexual immorality because we can produce another human being and outside of marriage or a, a child, um, um, created out of an adulterous affair. Let me tell y'all something. It may be common earthly, but that's a horrible thing in the sight of God. I mean, a horrible thing. So if you have a child who is born, who is old enough to understand who Jesus is so that he can accept Christ as his Lord and savior, you better raise him up in a fear and admonition of the Lord. Okay, because we have a lot of illegitimate children running loose out here that were born out of wedlock. But let me tell you about the grace of God. That's what Jesus died for. Come to Christ so that you can be saved and all of your sins can be forgiven. And let me and we we read this throughout this series that Christ died once and for all for your sins. So there are no animal sacrifices. So. John says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's why it's very important that if you are married before you say I do, 
<laughs> you better make sure that's the person you are going to be with for the rest of your life and that you are not going to go outside of the marriage and commit sexual immorality with someone outside of your spouse. Okay. Verse five, keep your life free from love of money Woo! and be content with what you have. For he has said, he who God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, verse six. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper helper. I will not fear what, what can man do to me? Now, right here, God is saying you, there's no need for you to chase money and make money become your God because I will never leave you or forsake you. And God promises to provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm a living witness. Okay. I'm a living witness. God has provided for me and I'm not rich, but I have everything I need. Okay. And it's written right here. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, he, he who God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Verse six. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Praise God for Jesus. Verse seven. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you, the word of God, this is, he's talking about Let's And I'm going to use me as an example because I am a leader within the body of Christ and teaching. Remember your leaders, the ones who are sharing the word of God with you. He's not talking about false teachers now. Okay. Because we talked against false teachers. As a matter of fact, every letter in the new Testament that the apostles wrote to the churches is including staying away from false teachers. So we know he ain't talking about false, false teachers. He's talking about the leaders that are actually sharing the true uh, and living word of God with you. Verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is not changing. So anyone coming to you with some strange teachings and doctrines um, that is contrary to what you have already heard, Right here is telling you, Jesus ain't changed. The word of God has not changed. Remember when Jesus made the statement that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, my words will, shall remain forever. Y'all keep your mind on that. Verse nine, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Oops, I led y'all right into that. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Meaning we are saved by grace through faith. Remember, the entire book of Hebrews is about um, these false teachers coming in, uh, trying to lead these Jewish Christians back to Judaism, where it required you to work <laughs> to please God. No, 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 no. It says, make sure um, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. Grace doesn't require work. Okay, Jesus Christ set us free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. You they, they, look back in, in, in practicing Judaism, these Judaizers ate certain foods, stayed away from certain foods, ate certain foods during certain festivals. And right here, this apostle was saying not by foods 
which have not benefited those devoted to them. It didn't even benefit the ones who were eating them. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Our offer is Jesus, the blood sacrifice of Jesus. And those remember who served the tent was the Levitical priesthood. They don't have a right to eat from our offerings. Okay. Remember the changing of the priesthood. We learned that throughout this series. Now, um, verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Hallelujah. Uh, verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood, which is far more superior than the blood of animals. Verse 13. Therefore, let us go to him, him who Jesus outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Verse 14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. That is the new Jerusalem. I'm here to tell you. Um, verse 15, through him, then let us, that him is Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. This is the only sacrifice that we as believers and saints, meaning Christians, are to offer to God. This is the only sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We have to, it's a sacrifice because we are criticized for praising God, a God we can't see, but I, <laughs> we know he exists, don't we? Verse 16, do not neglect, neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Right here is talking about giving and sharing to people in need. That sacrifice, give, making a sacrifice to help someone else who is in need is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. We're talking about um, leaders in the church again. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Remember uh, the apostle James, the Lord Jesus's brother, he said, not everybody should be teachers because they will be held to a higher standard here. The writer to the Hebrews is, is making this same claim. Okay. That we will have to give an account. And what they're saying here in 16 and 17 is let's not make it hard for them. Those who are telling you the truth, stick with the truth. So the writer is basically talking about himself too. You know, stick with the truth. If they are telling you the truth, don't fight it. Receive the truth. That's all because we're telling you the truth for your own good. Uh, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. That was the latter part of verse 17. Um, verse 18, pray for us. Here we go. Pray for us. Hallelujah, please. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. We are trying to live holy. I practice what I preach. I'm here to tell you. I, I practice what I preach or I wouldn't be preaching. Okay. And because we desire to live honorably. Okay. Um, in all things. Verse 19. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order. That I may be restored to you the sooner. Um, verse 20. 
Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, who this is the God of peace who raised Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep. That's who Jesus is by the blood of the eternal covenant. Verse 21, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 22. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Verse 23. You should know that our brother Timothy has has been released. Now, this right here is an indication that is not the Apostle Paul, which um, a lot of other leaders and ministers and bishops and teachers are saying. Well, I think it's Paul. It ain't for us to think. It's not Paul because Paul always referred to Timothy as his son. Now, this one is referring to Timothy as his brother. And Paul has always been consistent with this. Verse 23 again. You should know that our brother Timothy has no has, has been released with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Uh, that was verse 24. Uh, those who come from Italy send you greetings. Verse 25, grace be with all of you. Now, if it was Paul, he would say um, this citation with my mine own hands. That's how Paul, how Paul closed his letters. Now, that was the end of Hebrews. Now, let us um, go over and, and, and some very important lessons we learn from Hebrews. OK, number one, you know, godly living, especially in the face of intense persecution, requires great endurance, great patience, okay, at all times, but especially when suffering. Believers are to help, encourage, and strengthen each other. It is vital that believers grow in maturity through both the knowledge and practice of scripture, okay? The problem with Christians today is they are falling prey to false teachings because it sounds good to them. They don't want to be told about living unholy. They don't. And it, because of that, they are easy prey. So what the uh, writer to the Hebrews said is that we have to make sure that we need to pay attention and, and um, acknowledge and practice scripture. Okay. Leaders need prayer and, and cooperation just like y'all do. We pray for y'all. You need to pray for us. We must not fall into workings of the law to earn God's favor or even relief from suffering. Okay. We have favor with God and are able to enter his rest from works only because of the grace found in Jesus. See, this thing is all about Jesus and what he did on the cross. We need to seek to grow in godliness and maturity with endurance, you know, setting your hope on Jesus Christ, looking forward to his return. We also need to enter God's promised rest, rest from trying to earn salvation through works, receive the rest found in Jesus. Okay. Who has provided salvation by grace through faith, not works. And we also need to seek a uh, mature faith. Okay. And we need to seek to mature in faith, study the Bible. Y'all know, keep following, learning Bible truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Study the Bible so that you can, can both understand and live it in your everyday life. 
And I can tell you, once you start doing that, your life will be a breeze. Oh, yes. We need to endure sufferings. And yes, I'm being repetitive because we have to endure and remain faithful to God. Don't remain faithful to man. Remain, uh, remain faithful to God. Hold tightly to God's promise of salvation. Look hopefully to Jesus. We have to look for Jesus's return. Okay. And hope and continue in godliness. Now we need to strengthen weak or discouraged believers. Some of us have uh, a greater faith than they do. We have to understand and remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And a lot of uh, the new saints are not hearing God's word continuously. Have Bible study with my podcast. Okay. We need to guard against the, the temptation to turn back from following Jesus because of temporary suffering. Okay. Remain committed to the Lord. We have to, we need to pray for our, pray for leaders. I pray for you. You pray for me and other leaders because this is not an easy job. Okay. We need to, or you need to seek to cooperate with the leaders and be a joy to them. Don't get mad because you are being chastised by, with the word of God. Pray for us because this is not easy. I'm telling you, um, you, you know, Hebrews beautifully reveals more of the wonder and majesty of Jesus. Now, this letter should be um, seeking revelation from the Holy Spirit. OK, that's why it should be read in all the churches. And we need to worship um, as we read. We need to praise God and, and thank him for all he has done and for for the, the greatness and superiority of who he is. OK, we need to let the truths found in these pages cause you to look to Jesus because you and, and it also can cause you to enter his presence boldly. OK, without hesitation and to honor and devote yourself to him afresh with all of your heart, because he has. Let, let me say this. This is powerful. Jesus Christ removed that veil in the temple so that we can go boldly to the throne of grace. He tore it down so that we have free access to God. We don't go through the apostles. We don't need to go through no priest. Jesus made God readily available to us by tearing down the veil. He was the veil. <laughs> he was the veil in the tent. He tore that down when he went to Calvary. For us, he endured so much. If you can grasp what Jesus Christ actually did for us, let me tell you something. Honey, you will change right now. He was stripped naked. His penis and his genitals were showing. Okay? Okay? He was humiliated in front of thousands of people who mocked him. A crown of thorns was put on his head. His hands and feet were nailed with big nails to a cross, to a tree. He did all of that for us so that we would not suffer what was coming. Okay. Because anybody who sins, you got to remember the wages of sin is death. Jesus took that punishment away from us by taking it himself. Yes, he did. He took our punishment on that cross and went to hell for us, did everything that we deserve for turning away from God and acting like fools. 
Jesus never gave up. What if Jesus would have gave up going to the cross? Honey, we all would be in trouble. There would be no salvation for us. None. None. And when you hear something that doesn't sound right to you, you need to, if anything, uh, go to Hebrews and read Hebrews. Continue to listen to my podcast on a regular basis. Focus your adoration on Jesus because that's who deserves it for what he did for us. He, his, his blood cleanses. It cleanses our conscience so you can devote yourself to serving God. Okay, that's what Jesus did for us. His blood cleanses us. We have no more conscious for consciousness for sin. We can freely, I mean freely, devote our works and our wills and ourselves to the Lord. Okay, we can boldly enter the, the very presence of God because of what Jesus did on that cross. We need to understand that Jesus, the high priest, he is our high priest, is the living way through whom you can draw near to God without hesitation. Oh, I'm going to keep pu pushing that and knocking that home. You are welcome in his presence. We can go there without guilt or shame. Jesus took our guilt and shame with him on the cross. We can go before Jesus with, uh, with and about anything. He already knows what we've done. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can go to Jesus because he know he knows what we are going through in the flesh. That's why he put on flesh and came down here so that he can have a human experience. That's why he has sympathy and empathy for us. Jesus, you know what I did yesterday? I cussed that girl out. I, I didn't mean to do it. And, and forgive me, you are forgiven immediately. No animal sacrifices have to be brought to the, to the offer, to the um, altar. I'm sorry, because what Jesus did on that cross was once and for all. His blood continues to cleanse us no matter what we do. I don't care. Nobody can do anything so bad where God doesn't love them. We are now his children. And just because we may mess up doesn't mean he is, he is not our father. God is still our father. You know, when your child do something bad, is he no longer your child? Well, you have to think about God like that. Just because you do something bad doesn't mean God is no longer your father. No man can pluck us out of his hands, Jesus' hands, and no one can pluck us out of God's hand. Jesus and God are one. That's what Jesus said in, in the book of John. In the gospel, according to John, no man, no man. And we can't do anything to stop God from loving us. You don't stop, stop loving your children. Didn't I tell you that? Mm -hmm. You never stop loving your children. So we need to gather often with, with God's people so that we can encourage one another to find out what our needs are. And we need to help one another. Okay. Um, we need to be confident that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Remember, we, we read that in, in Hebrews chapter 11. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not a punisher. So when you diligently seek God, you should expect to be rewarded. That's what a problem coming at. You don't expect to be rewarded. You don't believe nothing that comes out of your mouth. You go to God sincerely and diligently seek him. Trust me, the reward is on its way. Okay. Now, I want you guys to continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth. Uh, this was a pleasant series to me and for me. And I hope it blessed you because it blessed me to literally 
teach from the book of Hebrews. I think it is the most powerful letter in the entire New Testament. And I want you also to remember this. Salvation is in the New Testament. It is not in the Old Testament. We were never as Gentiles given the laws of Moses. We were never under the first covenant, the covenant that God made with Moses and the children of Israel. We are not Israelites. As, as a matter of fact, those in America mixed with all kinds of blood, different ethnicities. We are, no one is pure in America, <laughs> you know, so we are not Israelites. We are Gentiles and we are under the new covenant. We were ushered in under the new covenant. You know, when, when God offered up his son, he made the ground leveled to where Jews and Gentiles both can come to God on a, an even playing field and be saved. It is not God's will that any man should perish. If we perish, it's because we didn't choose Jesus. Okay, choose Jesus over, over religion. So with that said, saints, I hope you um, stay blessed. I want you to continue to pray for peace. And if you go out in public, continue to practice social distancing. Wear your mask so that you can protect those around you. And if everyone wear their mask, Everyone will be taken care of. Everyone would be protected and we can get through this pandemic. But God promises to take care of his own. So wear your mask, people. So until next time, I can say this. I don't know what I'm teaching next week, but I will probably make a decision later today, share with you next Friday before we do a new episode on Saturday. So until then, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.